Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Riverdale After Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that's doing a little bit of a toss back to her old classic comic book selves. I'm Alex. When you dwell in the darkness for as long as I have, it's sometimes good to look back at all the other 99 darknesses you've had and be like, you know what? They were pretty fun. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we're going to be talking about Season 6, Episode 5, Chapter 100, The Jughead Paradox, the 100th episode of Riverdale, and way past the 100th episode of Riverdale after dark. We just, we blasted past them. We did 100 episodes a while ago. We did our whole alternate universe event thing. You guys probably uh, checked up on it. You know what we're talking about. Um, Yeah, you know what we're talking about. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I don't know what I'm talking about either. So I'll tell you what, I think uh, what we should probably do, there's not a lot of recap you need to know necessarily for this episode. Technically speaking, other than the fact that they've been in for the past four episodes previous to this in a alternate universe event called Rivervale, which is very Twilight Zone esque, dark things have been happening to folks. It all seemed to kick off with a bomb that went off in Archie's bedroom when Betty and Archie were hooking up at the end of season five. We get the repercussions of that here. And then, spoiler, but we kick into Riverdale at the end of this episode. The the other thing, just very briefly to mention, because it's really more about the relationships that are set up here rather than the actual plot. They've been very anthologized. You get uh, Jughead is with Tabitha, living with Tabitha. Betty and Archie are together when we get in here. Uh, Cheryl is on her own. Tony and Fangs are together, raising baby Anthony. And Kevin is on his own. Also, Reggie and Veronica are together. So that's sort of the lay of the land. And that's kind of 
sort of all you need to know. But Pete, you have a question right off. What's going well, on? Well, I, I didn't appreciate. Uh, please excuse me. <clears throat> I'm not feeling well. But um, oh, should we mention Pete is dying of a broken heart after watching this episode? Yes. Also, I, I mean, appre- there's, yeah, there's some truth to that, I think. Uh, I didn't appreciate you saying that they were hooking up. We don't know what they were doing in the bedroom when the bomb went off. So I don't appreciate you. <laughs> they were kissing that. and taking their shirts off. What were they doing, Pete? I don't Talk know I, I, that hey, we weren't could there. Be a t- could be a tick check. <laughs> Very responsible. That's a good thing to do. Maybe a mole. Like, oh, mm-hmm. let me see if that mole's looking There's weird. There's a lot of you options. go to the dermatologist. Yeah. Betty's in the FBI. Options. She's in the FBI. And yep. he's a fireman, so maybe she's a fireman body inspector. A fire <laughs> FBI? Mm-hmm. That's the F- I mean, it would make more sense if she was a fireman body inspector <laughs> than a member of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. I agree with you there. So there is so much to unpack in this episode because it is so wildly over the top in not even I was about to say classic it's, Riverdale fashion. It's so beyond. Yeah, even it gets a little regular. too meta at points where I was well, just like, ah. Uh. Let me say, this show did what we've said it would do for years. Mm-hmm. They finally said, hey, we're on the TV show Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> we've been, that's a joke we've made for literally years, and they did it. It's like it's like they did it. I've worked for two years on this, and they just they tweeted did it. it. <laughs> well, that's I think what that happened. Before we get through the specific plot points, I'd love to talk about how you felt about the River Vale event as a whole. I think we've been pretty positive about it. And then generally speaking, well, except for you, Pete, and then generally speaking, <laughs> what we thought about this episode before we walk through it, because... Again, so many things go on here. Uh, Justin, uh, you've been on the positive side. How do you feel this wrapped up as we go back into Riverdale for the rest of season six? I have loved the Rivervale event, and it just makes it just shows how this show is one of the most creative shows on TV. It feel it feels like it really just pushes its own envelope so hard all the time. I really appreciate that about the show. And uh, it's been, above all, just fun. It feels like everyone on the show is just, like, having fun, operating at the top of their potential, while also paying off all these huge emotional things. And, like, to quote Pete, playing with our our emotions in a way that I really like. And now for the counterpoint, we'll go to Pete LePage. All right. Great choice. (laughs) What was tough was in the last episode, they won me over. But then after this, uh, you know, they kind of uh, D won me over. But I do. Uh, lost you, man. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I I wish there was I do appreciate one, but. Uh, I do appreciate what Justin is saying. Uh, There is a lot of fun moments in this River Vale shit. uh, a lot of kind of like, just like, let's take what's great about the show and showcase it. Like having three Cheryl's throughout time was really cool. Uh, you know, they they do play with our emotions, which was really fucked up. But um, they also kind of, everybody gets a little moment here when it comes to the coupling and that kind of stuff. So uh, at least it, it doesn't seem like it's all torture. 
<laughs> wow. Faint wow. praise from Pete not, LePage. Not torture. Quote yes. Pete LePage. Put it on the season. I'll send it to the CW, yeah. Uh, I really like this as well. I do understand that I think it confused and frustrated some fans, particularly with the last episode, which, mind you, I loved, but people tried to figure out how does this connect to Riverdale? How does this connect to the continuity of Riverdale? What exactly is going on here? With it in the rearview mirror, uh, if it's still a little hard to say because we haven't seen how the plots pan out through the rest of season six. But at the same time, I do think the idea here was they were just having fun. They were doing five fun, weird, incredibly dark, archie horror comic book style stories, and they had a good time. And if those do pan out, you know, I've talked a lot about how I think we might see some of the emotional intent of what happened here pan out through yes. the rest of the season. And I still think that, but we're not going to see things like Abigail died in Riverdale. She's not suddenly an immortal witch who's actually Cheryl. That's not a thing that's going to happen. Oh, fuck you. No, but but, I think- <laughs> but the things that happen here, and also I think some of the things in this episode, lay the groundwork for what we're going to see the characters go through. So like we talked about with the last episode, I think that's a really good example of that could potentially affect Cheryl in certain ways to say, no, you know what? This curse needs to be behind me. I am past this curse. I need to go after Tony or whatever it is that I want. Or here in this episode, we get a lot of moves in particular with uh, Veggie, kind of, uh, but Barchi and Bughead are probably the big ones that are featured here. And I think it does indicate in certain ways where we potentially potentially are headed over the course of the season. A little less so, say, on Jabatha, who just get one very nice domestic scene in here. But I do think even that sort of points to that's the mode that we're going to see them in a while for throughout the rest of the season. They're pretty solid. Uh, before we get to that night, uh, that little moment, I mean, that almost brought me to <laughs> tears. You know, a significant other who is like willing to sit down and read comics because you were like, you got to check out this storyline. I, I was so moved by that. Like, I <laughs> could not believe Pete's uh, how great Tabitha is. Yeah, you're on board. You're on the Tabitha uh, ship now, Pete. Sh- no, shut the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> I do really hope that moving forward, Cheryl is a witch because I don't know how you could go back on that once you kind of. Uh, give us a little peek into that Pandora's box. I mean, that has to be canon moving forward. Uh, but I think, it, to your point, Alex, this episode felt like it was almost exclusively looking backwards. Mm-hmm. It was like looking at the whole series as a whole and being like, look at how wild this is. Look at everything that we can do. And as a creative on the show, I feel like they must be like, it's just like a taking stock and enjoying everything that they've made, which I think is great because it seems to me that we're going to pick up from the moment uh, the end of last season going forward pretty cleanly. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and like you said, the emotional, there'll be emotional ramifications. I think Cheryl's feelings are, are really well encapsulated in the last episode. And I think we'll see that vibe going forward for Cheryl. Same with sort of everybody. Like, like I said last time, feels like a lot of these horror stories are playing on the anxieties of the characters that are featured in them. Or the audience. Or, well, I think we share a lot of the characters' anxieties. Like, I think, especially Cheryl, it's like, I'm never going to find someone. I'm always going to be alone. I think everybody feels that at some point in their life. And so we feel that, Cheryl feels that, and that's where she is going forward. uh, Tony, I'm having a kid. This is stressful. And we see that play out with the, the, um, naturally, 
with a water becoming a water demon and living in a swamp. Which yeah, a that's lot of a parents go through. Yes, absolutely. I lived in a swamp also, before I had kids. Yeah, well, uh, you were you know, a Shrek, right? I, I was a, a Shrek. A I'm Shrek, not, not the I'm Shrek. I'm not capital S Shrek. <laughs> I'm one of many Shreks okay. in a Shrek. Uh, but a, as people who have children, at some point when your child is crying all night, you think about leaving them in the woods, right? I mean, that just has to, to heal happen. Them. Only to heal them because okay. that's a normal okay. thing that all parents do at some point. Okay. All right. right. There were two things they told me in the hospital when I took my kids home. The first one was don't shake your kids. The second one was leave them on a stump if they ever cry. Yeah. So there Wait, you, you can never shake your kids? How are you supposed to get gold <laughs> coins to come out? <laughs> I don't even know what the is that a piggy bank? I don't even know what the analogy you're making. You put gold <laughs> coins in a piggy bank? Oh. <laughs> Attention, Philadelphia robbers! Find Pete LePage. He's spitting on a bunch of a pot of gold. Straight up dragon egg over here. Why don't we jump into the episode and talk through this? I think it's Please. worthwhile walking through this one bit by bit because so many things happen, as I mentioned earlier. But we kick it off with a crazy thing right off. Jughead is dead on a road out of Rivervale, holding a comic book. And then we get this great montage where everybody is having nightmares. They're waking up. Archie is back. Betty had a nightmare about the sacrifice from the first episode. Fangs <laughs> had a dream about Tony as a ghost. She immediately asked, was I trying to hurt baby Anthony? Which I thought was a really nice emotional moment yeah. in the middle of this montage. Uh, Veronica had a dream. Also did Cheryl and Nana Rose. So we get all of that. And then we oh, get... Nana Rose. Uh, what, what about Nana Rose being? She's so, so fucking creepy, man. Yeah, she is. Well, she was just wearing See, a nightgown and scared in the middle of the night. I had a dream, Cheryl. I'm a nightmare. I am a nightmare. <laughs> We're all in my nightmare. Well, anyway, see you later. Fades back into the walls with Penelope. Yeah, oh, my God. So then we cut over to Jughead, who hears a mysterious ticking noise. The bomb goes off, and he wakes up in Archie's garage with his feet bleeding. This to me, is the first thing that really points to something was wrong with reality. Beyond all of the, like, resets that are happening with these nightmares, Jughead keeps moving around to different places. And I thought this was an interesting and purposely off-putting way of setting it up. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you ever wake up with your feet bleeding, you should seek medical attention. Mm, I agree. Thank you. And Pete, you're a doctor, right? Nope. Nope. But I, I play a really creepy corner. So I did also like uh. the moment immediately following that where Jughead comes home. He slept walk and Tabitha was like, hey, what's going on? You came in from the wrong door. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, Every house has a right door and a wrong door. Yes. And he uh, it turns out he's kind of forgotten what's going on. It's his first day back at school. And then we get another great uh, montage come on. here, Pete. The, what was that? That like that sixteen candles music playing don't with the? You, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's it's from Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club. Club. Okay. And, uh, it's one it's of those. the famous Judd Nelson one mm-hmm. hand up. Don't you? I'm surprised you don't remember that, Pete. That's punching the air. Do you love punching? I do. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but before we go further, I just want to say one thing. Like the comic book, uh, the all the comic book references in this episode. Feels like what I was saying before about this sort of looking at the whole the series as a whole. It goes even further back to be like this was a comic book first, and really paying uh, homage to that throughout this episode. I thought was well, really. Cool. We'll get to that in a moment. Let's not let's not peek too early on the comic book talk. Wow, Pete doing uh, a rare calling out Justin for jumping ahead yeah. of the plot. <laughs> <laughs> Does it happen? Truly, we are in. Um, uh, 
River Vale after dark mm-hmm. <laughs> ourselves if this is where we are. So yeah, Don't For You Forget About Me plays, and he sees everybody dressed from the pilot. Even Tony is there. He sees Jughead. We get a shot of Archie with Grundy oh, uh, winking. Why, why can't we forget that? Why would you do that to us? Because it happened, man. I yeah. love it. You could just, we don't need that shot. I do think what was helpful. We don't I, need that shot. I don't want to be reminded of that plot line either. But at the same time, I think that sets us very clearly in time because granted, we see Cheryl in a cheerleader's uniform, but we also see Tony, who was not there until midway through season two. So it's very confusing. So this sets it. Knowing that Grundy is there, knowing that Archie was Grundy, we know we're back at the beginning. This is no, definitely the could have done it right any here. other way. Okay, what other way would you have done it, Pete? Don't you forget about Grundy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then we got to do another big return here, right towards the beginning of the episode. Benjamin okay. Button. Yeah. Shows so up. here we go. Where it was like. Hey, uh, you thought that uh, Grundy thing was fucked up. Hey, remember Ben? And then Ben was like, mm, I'm not the only one to drop, jump out of room r- window. Let's flash back to that other really fucked up time where a teacher jumped out the window. I was just like, what are we doing right now, people? Reminding people well, of the whole series. Like, that's what yes, they were trying to do the whole episode. Of all the lowlights, though? I mean, can't we just... Uh, well, I think this lights, is showing... Baby. So first of all, bringing Benjamin Button back immediately shows Jughead beyond seeing everybody as the younger selves. Benjamin Button back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, he ages backwards. We know that. So that's an important detail to mention right here. And then the second detail is this tells Jughead that dead people are coming back to life, something that he probably is putting together in the back of his mind but doesn't realize until he physically sees Benjamin Button. Uh, the Stonewall Prep dude, I'm forgetting the name of the character, but Sam Whitworth is the name of the yeah. actor, uh, jumping through the window. I think that was just a way of touching on season three, which otherwise we don't really any see other, anything any of other way. here. Um but I, I, to your point, Pete, like, yeah, we're seeing some stuff where it's like out of context. It's like, oh, it was, especially when they show us the shot. It's like that teacher just dove through a stained glass window uh, sort of out of nowhere in their original episode. And it's especially out of nowhere now. But it's this show owns every moment. The fact that they have a character named Benjamin Button is insane from off the jump. And the fact that they then are like, remember him? And then he comes back is no other show would do that. That's why. I also mention, just based on seeing the flashback and them in the current time, he's gotten pretty jacked. He's definitely been working out, you know? Yeah. He's he's much bigger. Jacked button. (laughs) Jacked button. Strong button. Mm -hmm. Have you been to that place in the garment district? Jacked buttons? Jacked buttons, exactly. It's only for the jacked. You're jacked, the buttons are jacked. There's little abs on hey, every Sorry, I, I got too muscly and I, I popped the buttons off of my suit again. You got any jacked buttons for me? Yeah, bro, I got all the buttons you need. I'm the most jacked. <laughs> Pete loves this. Let's move on to another part that I'm Pete's sure Pete Pete's like, loves. I'm sick and I'm listening to this. <laughs> Please don't make me sit through this, says Pete LePage. So let's move on to something that you'll enjoy more, Pete. Betty and Archie are getting married, and Jughead is the yes. best man. That's something that we find out here. Jughead has completely forgotten about this. Um, and uh, so what did you think about this uh, framing the episode on Betty and Archie getting married? Justin? Um, I uh, thought it was cool. 
um, again, it makes me a little nervous because if we're doing all this Barchi stuff in River Vale, it starts to make me get a little worried about it happening in Riverdale. Because at River Vale, eh, going away. Riverdale continuing on. So I definitely want to make sure we're not eating all of our Barchi lunch. Just well, enjoy it now because it's over. I don't think so. I think we are firmly in a time of Barchi. Uh, Jughead's going to be happy with Veronica. That's definitely happening. Uh, but <laughs> I Bughead do think. Bughead is canon now. Bughead, Bughead is canon. Is canon. Uh, I think the, the, when the characters say it on the show, it must be true. Yeah. Iconic uh, Veronica line. Not to jump ahead there, but. So good. Amazing. Uh, but what I want to say is uh, this reference is, I think, a um, a famous comic book storyline as well in which um, Archie – there was a, two separate storylines, where one in which Archie married Veronica, uh, ch- finally chose Veronica, and one in which Archie married Betty. And I think we're seeing that on screen here. Yeah, I agree. Cool. So anyways, then uh, Jughead uh, sees his own dead body. Wait, wait, wait. I don't want to jump ahead one of my absolute favorite moments of the episode, which is Dr. Curdle calls Betty on the phone and is like trying to tell her that he has Jughead's corpse. And she immediately is like, you're just doing this because you weren't invited to the wedding. Goodbye. Please stop harassing me and made me laugh out loud. I love the idea that Dr. Curdle is like, Invite me to the wedding, Betty. Please. Yeah. What was the I uh, mean, sh- concert he, shirt he was wearing? It uh, was oh, uh, the Josie. Josie. He's a big fan of Josie. Will Josie be there? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, he has helped Betty out a lot. Like, I can understand his uh, upset about not being invited to the wedding. But they have a I transactional do... relationship. Are you inviting your pizza guy to your wedding, Pete? Maybe. All right, he does provide you pizza. I would, how, I would, uh, how, I would invite my, uh, you know, the guy who makes my Philly cheesesteak. Mm-hmm. That's nice. I, yeah. Above one of us, like, what's <laughs> oh. your order? Because you know, yeah, so you got to yeah. make choices. You can't if you're going to have a, a wedding, you got to make cuts here and there. And if you're inviting Philly cheesesteak guy, pizza guy, your your gyro guy, your uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> your uh, hero guy, like, it's a lot of guys. Hoagies, bro. I'm in Philly now. It's hoagies. Hoagies, okay. Oh, okay. Hoagies. You got probably got your old New York hero guy. You got your Philly hoagie guy. Yeah, for him, you got it's your a destination Jersey. wedding. Exactly. <laughs> wow. What a trip from Brooklyn to Philly. Of course, in Jersey, you got your grinder guy. You got mm-hmm. this. You got a whole sandwich mafia. Yep. Oh, man. So, yeah. Uh, so, Jughead sees how, himself. How many morticians do you want at your wedding? One, maybe. <laughs> yeah. You can't Max. have like multi, multi mortician. Even if you're in the mortician business, it's like, hey, let's not bring out the whole formaldehyde crew. So, very fun scene there. And then, as Pete mentioned, Jughead goes and sees his own bat- body. And then, Dr. Curdle helpfully sets up kind of the uh, concept of the episode. He points out it's a paradox. Jughead was strangled and left on the lonely highway. And then we had a neat little thematic thing that uh, I saw going through the episode. So Jughead takes his own clothes, and over the course of the episode, he regresses costume-wise, which I thought was kind of neat. He goes from his season five, end of season five, season six, teacher outfit, to ultimately being pretty much in a high school version of Jughead, complete with the jacket and everything else. So he's going backwards in time, even as everybody else is kind of pushing forwards in time. And I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, it was a very subtle thing that they didn't really point to, but it was set up there as he takes the clothes. 
Yes. Also, it was a, a, an interesting dangling thread when uh, Jughead was hitchhiking his way back to Riverdale on the Lone Lonely Highway. We thought maybe he would get murdered. So it was interesting that he ends up dead on the Lonely mm-hmm. Highway. There you go. Uh, but it also brings our Jughead or Rivervale Jughead, I guess, to the Rivervale sign. On one side, there's an infinity sign and it says there's no place like home. Reference to the classic film, uh, The Wiz. And then on the flip side <laughs> is Riverdale backwards with the home of Pops, the regular sign. But it starts uh, once again, kind of jogs Jughead's memory and he realizes something is very wrong. He takes out the clothes, finds an issue of Riverdale titled The Jughead Paradox. And this gets back to the comic book thing that you were mentioning earlier, Justin. That's what you call a clue. And even if you don't have your Betty in your Bughead uh, detective agency, he still found that clue and he did what – what you do with all clues is read them. Read the clues. All right. So here we get uh, Jughead, uh, you know, going to the comics, you know, to kind of look up to see what was happening. And this is the part that was just really upsetting for me. First, you know, we had this thing earlier in the episode. I wasn't sure how many episodes it was ago where Archie made the comment like, oh, uh, Jughead, I didn't realize you were this much of a comic collector, which is very insulting. If somebody's going to say that they collect comics, they're going to have a fucking bunch of boxes with comics in them. OK, that's just mm-hmm. what's going to happen. The yeah, fact nobody, that- nobody has just one comics. They're like potato chips. Yeah, yeah they, you know, if you say you collect comics, you're going to have a fucking bunch of white boxes and, you know, a shit ton of uh, space that you need to store them. So yeah. then you hate Archie because of that. Uh, yeah, it bothered me. And then so then you have a Jughead being a comic book collector who doesn't have any bags and fucking boards. His <laughs> white boxes. Are you fucking kidding me? It's just sitting there getting worse with time and de- disintegrating and not taking care of something that fucking saves the fucking day. Very upsetting. I mean, not a I, comic book collector at all. Archie was right. Archie was right. Hashtag. Uh, I got to say, Pete, I agree with you because these aren't just regular comics. These are magic comics that tell the past and future. I would put a bag around it. You want to hold on to that thing. You're not wrong, Pete. You're not wrong. You could I, say like, OK, they don't want to have the bags and boards because of the film and the, you mm-hmm. know, the light might come off thing. Fine. Yeah, that's but- why. If you're a fucking comic book person, you throw in a line there that says, like, they, I did have them bagged and board or something like that. It's just a throwaway fucking line to give us something because it's a fucking slap in the face to real or, comic book collectors. As you've referenced before, maybe a title card could pop up. Yes. <laughs> Previously <laughs> bagged and boarded, uh, you know, something Removed like that. for production purposes. Yeah. That wouldn't break the story. Previously no. bagged um, and boarded. Cats fine. I want to. I want to. Cats fine. Cats fine. <laughs> cats fine. When are we gonna oh, know man. the fate of this cat? How many more apps? The toffee paradox. Uh, yeah. If you notice, there, the, one of the covers did have a cat briefcase on it. Sorry, real quick Stop. flash. Dude, that cat briefcase. That was a spinoff miniseries, I believe. Exactly. Everybody loved it. Well, I thought you were gonna say, Pete. It's very strange to me that Jughead's like, I found all these comics. And I started with issue 95 and read four of them. I was like, read it from number one, dude. That's where no, the story he did. begins. He did pre- begin from number one, right? No, he said he started at 95 uh, and then went back. Eventually and went then back. Went back. And oh, okay. Well, All because right. uh, 90, that, that one was the one that said River Vale, but then he went back. Yeah. 
I did really like the infinite recursive loop page that he finds at the end. That is oh, very so cool. MC Mesher. Uh, very fun, followed by the blank pages there. And yeah. just to talk, continue to talk about this comic book thing, I loved all the details there. I mean, Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa didn't start in comic books. He started in theater, but he started with his love of comic books, came up through Archie Comics, helped rejuvenate the brand. So really coming, digging into these ideas of how comics work, but also kind of how TV works, which I'm sure we'll get to the Reggie thing in a second. I thought it was so smart and so fun to talk about how these things do reboot. They do change. The title changes. Sometimes there's 0.5 issues that take place between issue 95 and issue 96. All of these things. I thought it was really fun and it did. We're all comic book fans here. So I think it really did very appropriately pay tribute to the comics. Like Pete was mentioning earlier, the place uh, that this all came from. And I thought it was the best example. I mean, in an entertainment industry now that is driven by comics across movies, TV, everything. This, I thought, was the best way of showing that connection and why it works and why so much of our storytelling now is based on comic books. Episodic, the fact that you can reboot it, the fact that you can always have different machines spinning at the same time and characters coming back, uh, losing them, bringing them, like however it works. Like this really felt like almost like a signpost to be like, this is how we tell stories right now across the whole pop culture. Pete, were you going to say something or? Uh, I, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> were you going to grumble something? I there was going to grumble something, but I, uh, I, you know. And now it's time for a section we call Pete's Grumbles. All right. <laughs> over to Pete. Okay, let's uh, continue to walk through this. So Jughead tells Tabitha about the comics, similar to a lot of the episodes of the Rivervale stuff. I love and that everybody she, accepts it. She immediately drops what she's doing and then sits down and reads the comic. And I, I mean, that was just so powerful. And I was just like, I've been so wrong about Tabitha. She is the greatest character on Riverdale, maybe. I mean, that was just, uh, you know, here's like- a person who's clearly being crazy, can't keep, you know, is all over the place, realizes we're in a parallel universe. And then Tabitha's like, Joe, can I will sit down and read your comics that you think is great? And it was I, I was just so moved and touched by that moment. I feel like this is speaking to maybe a, a personal issue in your life when it comes to uh, loved ones, maybe not taking as much interest in comic books. Maybe there's some past stuff there. Sure, sure. <laughs> huh. What would you do I've, if somebody had you've you? Never, wait, wait, wait. You've never oh. been in a relationship or met somebody and been like, oh, my God, this reminds me of this comic, what we're talking about or whatever, and you try to make reference to it. And then for some reason, the person won't then read. You know what I, I think mean? your problem, Pete, is you're dating jocks. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do have your girlfriends um, generally been stuffing you into lockers and giving you wedgies and stuff? Yeah, not, yeah no, it's he all takes a lot, lot of wedgies, one hundred percent. A that's lot of your, in relationship your. wedgies. Isn't the rarest wedgie an in relationship wedgie? Very uh, the worst li- kind of not, wedgie. Yeah. yeah, that's the that means that's a real. Yeah. <laughs> Pete, a your, you were telling me right on your the first date with your current girlfriend, she took you to a wedgitorium and wedged you. <laughs> yeah, right? no, yeah. man, I don't know how they stay in business, but they're making money <laughs> hand literally hand over fist. They're right next door to Jack Buttons, actually. 
They have a deal if you go to both. You want to stop by the Wedgetorium after work? (laughs) (laughs) So then we go to Veronica. Wait, hold on, hold on. I do want to ask if somebody came up to you, and a friend of yours, and was like, hey, this is crazy. I just found 100 comic books that are all about our lives. What would your reaction be? I would fucking read the comic book. And then that's it. (laughs) (laughs) I would calmly read the comic book, offer a review online, Mm -hmm. and that was it. It'd go about my business. Um, I'd be like, I'm I'm here for it. I believe my uh, future and past will be told in comic book form. Sure. I... I think I'd probably try to track them down, just like Jughead do, does, try to figure out exactly what's going on, because that's weird. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, but yes, like you were saying, then he goes, Jughead actually tells Betty and Archie second, and Betty vaguely remembers a dream that Archie had about a bomb going off. That's from the first episode. So again, we're getting some weird continuity things here, but it's purposeful, weird continuity things. Um, as we find out later, everybody kind of respawns and reboots. Yes, Pete. And then there was that moment when she was like, oh, my dad's been dead for years. And I kind of had this thing of like, oh, Veronica, if only that was true. Unfortunately, oh, your yes. dad You're is jumping, a living You really want to get to the Veronica scene. Uh, yes, yeah. Veronica tells Jughead that Hiram died the night before Quinzanera. Um, I don't specifically remember this episode, but I think, I think that would probably, I think that was a subtle hint that that's Archie's fault. Because if I remember correctly, like, they were coming to blows right before the Quincenera. So I think that's our first hit that Archie is actually the big bad of Rivervale, potentially. Oh, yeah, yeah um, I guess because I thought that was an interesting choice that Hiram was never a part of the show, essentially. Um, and I guess I didn't even think of it, but yeah, Archie going and killing him, he was the first victim uh, yeah. of Archie the killer. I think it was also a convenient way to explain why Mark Consuelos wasn't in the episode, but it's fine. Um, but it just yeah. made me t- imagine Riverdale without Hiram, and it doesn't What happened? Exist. How did any of yeah. this happen? Yeah. Uh, Jughead wants to know who the big bad is, and then Reggie notices something that leads to the most batshit insane thing in the entire episode that, mind you, yes. I love so much. Reggie looks at the comic books and realizes in the first 13 issues he looked like a different person. <laughs> Because, of course, in season one, Reggie was played by Ross Butler. Season two on, he was played by Charles Belton. Uh, Watching that, I was like, oh, this is a fun mention. And then it spiraled so out of control. Also, it's like such a thing for television shows, right? Like Mm -hmm. the whole Aunt Viv of it all. So it was really interesting to kind of like the fact that they really leaned into that moment. Well, and it's also kind of a perfect Reggie storyline in a certain way. What were you going to say, Justin? I interrupted. It's it, it's great. It's so crazy. Imagine um, being the first Reggie, the actor, and getting the call like, hey, hey, man, sorry, again, so sorry, we replaced you. But would you mind coming back and being first <laughs> Reggie again? Well, I think I could be wrong about this. Really should have looked this up. But I think it was because he was on 13 Reasons Why and he couldn't do I think you're, I think you're right. So yeah, I yeah. think it, my impression was he left on good terms. Like it was not yeah. a he was fired. Clearly. Still weird. Yes. Still a weird uh, still call weird. to get. Yeah. But awesome. Like, I don't know. Do we want to just talk about that little, yeah, little story now? It feels like a good little jump out. Like you said, Alex, perfect Reggie story. He's like, I don't like this guy. And the other <laughs> other Reggie, original Reggie, Prime, Reggie Prime, as he calls himself. Like, yeah, like that was guy. hilarious. And then they fight like itchy and scratchy. 
It was a classic kind of Reggie kind of. Uh, Reggie versus Reggie. It was just hysterical. And like, and there was kind of that crazy moment where Veronica was into it. She's like, yeah, let's do this. Two Reggies come out. And, I mean, uh, I was surprised about that. They went all the way with that. Like Veronica's like, all right, Reggie sandwich. Let's go. <laughs> let's Veronica go. was so funny in this episode, or at least yes. Camilla Mendes was so funny in this episode. It's definitely like, not the strongest Veronica episode in the entire world, but the stuff that she was doing, grounding the two Reggies, coming up with a solution to be like, well, I guess we'll send one to the bachelor party and one to the bachelorette party. Very funny. The threesome moment was very funny. Her reaction when she comes home and sees that they killed each other being like, oh, didn't want you guys to have a duel. <laughs> Yeah, Very these goons killed themselves. Just the classic, of course, that's what's going to happen if you leave two Reggies alone. I thought that was just a very hysterical reveal of like, oh, of course they shot themselves. Yeah. Um, but, but it, yeah, that the Reggie Reggie fighting each other stuff was just really funny. And uh, it was a fun kind of a thing in the episode for sure. To your point, Alex, like in an episode that is so wild to have Veronica playing it so straight and playing it just like very like down to earth, like two Reggie's. All right, let's you go to the party and let's maybe have a threesome. Just a thought. Not going to work out. Totally cool. And like, oh, no, like it was just the funniest possible choice, I thought. It was great. And it, it, it was in the middle of some actually relatively serious stuff happening, particularly with Archie. It provided a nice funny counterpoint at the same time because the whole storyline was a goof. Like, it was a dark goof because they end up in pools of their own blood by the end, which is very River Vale and consistent with the event, but very fun at the same time. On the opposite end of the spectrum, though, Jughead goes over to Cheryl next, and Cheryl reveals that well, Jason that was, Blossom... What? Yeah, that was hysterical. The moment where they're talking, they're like, yeah, but have you talked to Cheryl yet? You know, yeah. this sounds like a Cheryl problem. She mm -hmm. could really help you with this, which was just hysterical. The fact of like, oh, you think you're in crazy town? Well, you got to go see the mayor. It, yeah. was, it was like, all right, I'll go see Cheryl. And uh, the fact that, yeah, go ahead, uh, Alex. Well, this is uh, a big moment for you, Alex. This is a big moment for me. And I'm a little conflicted about this because after five seasons of change, Jason Blossom finally talked. They yeah. broke the bit. If they were going to break the bit at any time, I guess I'm okay with it being in the 100th episode. That's all right. But once no. we're back to Riverdale, no more talking. That's all I'm saying. The wow. skeleton I mean, that – I don't know if you forgot about this, but uh, Cheryl has her brother's skeleton yep, yeah, in, in, a, didn't, in a crate, didn't. In, a, in a box. Um, mm -hmm. That's a real thing, not a Rivervale thing. That's a real Riverdale yeah, that's thing. That's a normal thing. Yeah. That's a yeah. normal thing that happens. Yeah, don't even think of – yeah, that creepy doll was real, too, wasn't it? That was also real, yes. Uh, anyway, I hope that doesn't talk. But he says, oh, hey, Jughead, I didn't know you were here. Ready to hit the courts, share, share? Which, great. I did, well, I will say, that's the line I wrote on an, a piece of paper put in an envelope uh, Five six years seasons ago. ago. Yeah, and, That's and, right. Uh, I remember that. Oh, that's long great. shot. Really Pulled it out. Panned out. I won ten million dollars uh, from my Jason's first line <laughs> pool. Wow. It's weird that Vegas has been running that for so long, but yeah, congratulations! Crazy. 
pulled That's it out. Um, I just want to shout out, while that was the sort of marquee line of the scene, I want to shout out Cheryl's two lines, um, according to this horror pamphlet, talking about the comic book. Yeah. And then later, when Jughead's like, we had a memoriam page, and she's like, no hobo, we didn't. I was like, Cheryl's <laughs> got the burns. Yes. Cheryl. Great stuff. Uh, oh, but Cheryl. it turns out they did, and Jughead realizes he needs info about parallel universes. So he finds out another aberration, another variant is happening here, another anomaly. When he goes to check out the philosophy of parallel universes from the library, turns out it was checked out by Dilton, who is not only alive but teaching physics at the school with Ethel as his teaching oh. assistant. Now, this Great. is fun. Like, this is just, I mean, how great was it? Dilton was back. Athol is back. I mean, just really fun stuff. Um, And also what Athol does that Dilton was just great. I don't want to, you know, jump ahead, but go ahead. Uh, The moment where I, because I I love this as well, seeing all the characters sort of coming home, uh, very comic booky. The moment when Jughead's like, but Dilton you died, and we see Dilton laying prone with uh, Gargoyle King markings carved into his back. I was like, "That's a crazy thing to have happen." To be like, "That's normal." This <laughs> thing is weird, but that's the that's, normal thing. Can we just, uh, just because we're talking about it, one of my favorite things in the episode is when Jughead is describing the differences between Riverdale and Riverdale, and he's like, "No, Riverdale is this wonderful place of cheerleaders and homecoming dances and serial killers and kissing and gargoyle kings and romance <laughs> yeah. and cults." And I was like, oh, "I don't, I don't think that you're selling this as well as you." <laughs> Yeah, Jughead, I hope your best man speech at Archie and Betty's wedding is a little bit better than this, because this is leaving us wanting a bit. Yeah, but the Dilton thing was also great, because this is the first time in the series we've gotten a riff on classic comic book Dilton. Dilton was this survivalist back at the beginning, um, or at least most of the time he survived. He was certainly nerding out with Benjamin Button when he was playing Griffins and Gargoyles. But here we get to see... Mad Scientist Dilton, which is something from the comics, and I thought that was really fun. Yeah. Um, Yeah, he talks him through it. Uh, They start to realize that the bomb under Betty and Archie's bed was sort of like the Big Bang. And Dilton's take is they don't need to do anything. The universes are going to be fine. It's revealed later that's not exactly what it is. But that's kind of where they sit for a little bit. Um, And we get the very fun bachelor party sequence after that. Uh, And then at the bachelor party, we get a really sweet scene between Archie and Jughead. But I have a little bit of a caveat here I want to bring up in a second. Well, uh, I did, why don't you guys talk about this? Well, well, first, I just want to back up the truck a little bit. We got some fun Reggie moments, and we already talked about the Reggie, but I wrote down uh, a line here that I thought it was just such a classic Reggie. It was like, no, bro, you are me. Like, that is just a, such a hilarious thing yeah. to argue and such a classic kind of like Reggie moment uh, that I just I just want to kind of enjoy that for a little bit. And then the Reggie Prime line happened there, too. Okay, Bachelor Party. I mean, I also appreciated the use of Pony at the Bachelorette party great song. yeah you okay. love the use of pony i do magic mike shout out love it um but the archie and jughead scene the shot of luke perry oh in this scene oh. was so trippy meta and like uh just wild the fact that they had that shot the fact that it was here and that it was it was just trippy so 
I want to throw something out at you. I was also, of course, anytime Luke Perry shows up on screen, I'm going to be emotionally affected by it. It's yeah. super poignant and sad to see him. I'm sure they wanted to include a shot of him. On a textual level, though, it took me out a little bit, and this is probably having too much knowledge of Riverdale, but that shot was the Veronica Archie wedding that Archie was imagining in the season two premiere when Fred had been shot by the Black Hood, which was in the hospital. So they took yeah. footage from a Varchi wedding and repurposed it for a Varchi wedding. So you're mad at that? I I was a little <laughs> taken you, out about you can't, by it. You, it's a hundred episodes. It. It's a hundred episodes, and they want to give a small nod to Luke Perry, and you couldn't. I couched this it, in, I'm glad to see him, and I'm glad they included him. If your question, Alex, was like, maybe I know too much about Riverdale, the answer is a resounding yes. Yeah. <laughs> what the upsetting thing for me was that they used Luke Perry in, you know, there was just a really nice moment. And then it became the reason Archie was an asshole was a little hard for me because it was like, don't, you know, don't do that. Don't make Archie a fucking you know, stupid killer because, you know, like, obviously, if somebody dies, we would do, you know, insane things to have one more day with that person. But like, I was a little like, oh, God, don't don't do that. Don't, you know, have uh, somebody who is great be the reason that you're just ki- going on a killing spree. But I don't know. I disagree. I, I really liked that because like I was saying before, it really feels like that's Archie's big pain and big, big, the thing that concerns him the most and to have that be the the thing that they use and show off here in this Riverdale. Yeah, Riverdale it makes episode. sense. It just, you know, Luke wouldn't want that. You know, Luke wouldn't want Archie going to killing spree for him. No, he Luke wouldn't. I mean, granted, granted, we're in Rivervale. No, the so I think you can go as dark as possible anyway. Also, the implication in my mind, because these things are so separate, that's the story of this week's episode. That's this issue of River Vale that we're watching or reading or whatever you want to call it at the current time. So Archie isn't a killer going forward in Riverdale. He wasn't necessarily a killer for the previous four episodes. That's just the plot right now. Uh, I do agree with you, Pete, that there was a part of it that made me feel a little uncomfortable. I think you're not supposed to be happy about him doing it, mind you. But it felt like I don't know, not to like backseat right, but it felt like it needed an extra beat that probably would have made things too complicated, which is why they probably didn't do it. But an extra beat of Jughead being able to tell Archie why Fred is not going to come back, being like, no, that's not going to happen. You can't do this. Because that to me, that to me was like the thing that was missing a little bit, because we know He's not going to come back. Do you promise the possibility that he's going to come back in some way made me sad and a little bit uncomfortable when I was watching it? Um, And I think that was the implication anyway. Obviously, we know that's not going to happen. But again, Uh, it would have taken too much multiversal explanation to get there. And that would have over overwrought the episode. Um, But I sort of needed that to happen a little bit personally. But also, it was kind of... Interesting to see, like, evil Archie. I thought, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. the actor played it really well, and it was kind of fun to see, you know, Archie kind of off his rocker a little bit. It, it fit the character, I thought. I mean, to, to Archie's – to the character in that moment, he was – he knew that the other characters were going to come back. So he was only killing them 
temporarily, you could say. So I I don't think it was as dark of a place as uh, was. It was like, a, Justin, it was like a happy strangling. Yeah, 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 Justin, if I walked up to you and was like, hey, listen, just so you know, we're in a world where if you kill somebody, they don't come back. I want to kill you. I don't know how cool you would be with it or how, you know what I mean? If you showed me it happening. <laughs> oh, really? You would let me kill you? You'd have to. This prove is the greatest it. day of my life. I might <laughs> feel like to... shit and dying inside, but this—the fact that you would be okay with me killing you—it's just I've never been more happy in my life. Sorry, I'm your doctor, and I'm prescribing you one murder, <laughs> only one, to make you feel better. Well, last thing I will say about this whole Varchi thing, though, is certainly we get a lot of different riffs on a lot of different, hold on, a lot of different ships over the course of the episode. And we pay tribute to them in different ways. I'm sure everybody who ships specific things had very complicated feelings because things go in a lot of different directions. But if you're a Varchi shipper, the two moments you get are a repurposed Varchi wedding and Archie straight up strangling Veronica. I feel like Varchis are probably not very happy right now is my point. Well, uh, as much as this show was sort of taking stock and looking backward, I do think the main ship's Bughead Varchi didn't get a lot of play here. Uh, just across Bughead the board. Bughead did. Bughead got stuff. I, a little bit, Arguable but I don't... stuff? I, I just... It wasn't like, wow, I really enjoyed that as a Bughead fan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there wasn't... We weren't, like, really enjoying those because I do think they are like, well, we're not doing... We did that a lot. We're going forward from mm-hmm. uh, in the ship capacity, and I was I was sort of surprised. I thought there was gonna. I like the references to them were <laughs> sort of not not pleasurable and sort of like a little bit like it felt like it's like move on. We're we're past this. Yeah, uh, we can talk about more that more in a second. The next morning after the bachelor and bachelorette party, Kevin is getting everybody Alka Seltzer. Everybody's hungover, talking about oh, you are getting older. Ooh, it's real. It's yeah, real. It's real. It really happens, you can't yeah. bounce back a, a, no. as quickly as you once did. Yeah, not me. I party every night. Uh, Cheryl reveals that her brother has been kidnapped by the Black Hood. Jughead starts to realize that things are speeding up in terms of the plot, and they immediately go to the basement where Jason was held. Sheriff Keller shoots the Black Hood, but this time it's not Hal. It's Clifford Bossom, uh, yeah. who killed him anyway, so... It's kind of like the two things mashed together. Yeah. Tracks. Tracks. It tracks. There you go. Uh, And then we go over to Pops, where Alice is giving a toast to Betty and Archie. Hal is also there, not the Black Hood in the capacity. Starts to say a few words when Tony comes in and reveals that Cheryl is dead. She was strangled. Uh, Shoney, Uh, also not a very big ship in this episode, but I did appreciate at least a little. I mean, we got last episode. We got, we got, you know. Yeah, I'm good. I'm full. I'm Mm -hmm. happy. I'm full. I'm full. I'm full mm, of crumbs. Cheryl give Cheryl's giving. Shoney's giving was so good. <laughs> I, so I still much. have leftovers, man. I still have leftovers oh, yeah. from yeah. Shoney's giving. Whole Betty investigates, uh, and then Jughead starts to think maybe it's Dilton who's behind it. He's the big bad of Rivervale. Uh, it turns out he's fleeing because Riverdale and Rivervale are expanding. And he's very excited to watch the Prime and Pocket universe expanding in real time and explode. He dies. It's seemingly uh, Ethel poisons his juice, I think she oh, says. Just fun Ethel stuff right there. That was just Check such a fun. Check your juice. Check yeah. your juice, guys. The immediate Ethel being like, I-, I poisoned him was just hysterical. Love Ethel. And then Ethel and Jughead figure out how to save the universes. Uh, we get Jughead laying it all out, and it's 
in classic Jughead fashion all over the place. And it makes sense for Riverdale, but probably for nobody else, where he says, yeah. oh, I think he thinks it was the bomb. So it was a combination of Archie and Betty's love, Hiram's hate, creation, Jughead writing in the garage, of course. That's creation. Right of course. There. The <laughs> most intense creation you could ever imagine <laughs> is him being like, Jughead? Went to sandwich place. Oh, that's wrong. What do I do? <laughs> uh, destruction, which is the explosion again. Uh, science, which is Archie had a chunk of palladium about his desk. And magic, which is Cheryl's curse, which I guess Jughead knew about from the comic books, maybe? I think that's the implication. To have the palladium be science, I was like, well, that's not that's a mineral you, at what best. What did you say? <laughs> Uh, but Uthel tells Jughead that River Vale was never meant to exist. Uh, Jughead wants to save Betty and Archie. It's their wedding day. And he realizes he needs to make out with Veronica to save the universe. That's an excuse I've used before, too. And it uh, <laughs> rarely works. It rarely makes sense. Uh, this was. Veronica's in, though. Person. She's like, hey, all right. Yeah. OK. Yeah, sure. This was this was ridiculous. To I mean, Reggie's are dead. I can, I can, you know. But this to me, immediately in a good way, lowered the stakes of the entire episode. Like I know two universes are going to be destroyed, but the solution is well. I guess we have to make out. Is very silly and very fun and diffused a lot of the tension for me personally. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It felt very like '80s movie. It felt very like. Um, just like or like like short story, like uh, like Kurt Vonnegut short story or some kind of like uh, teenage thing that was just uh, being played out here. It was super funny. The Vug had become a canon line. All right, Lodge, are we doing this or what? And I think it proved that the ships that we have in the show are important. And because this one was like watching your parents kiss. Mm hmm. Yes, I, like, oh, well, I mean, I no. just wanted to call out the line before the Vughead becoming canon because also a uh, little less funny, but still very funny. Let's make out to save the universe. One thing. Can we do it during the wedding? Because I'm not in the mood. And then Jughead yeah. being like, yeah, me neither. Very Great. funny there. Uh, and then we get the scene. We get the big fight that we touched on earlier of Archie revealing that he is the big bad. He's doing this because he wants to see Fred back. Uh, Archie was there for ground zero of Riverdale and River Vale. He gives this whole, like, very un-Archie speech, very H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. I've seen the beginning and end of the universe and all things yeah. coming together. Um, and they fight. We get a Jughead-Archie physical fight, which is a lot of fun. And in the That's middle cool. of that, Betty kills Archie in her wedding dress. Oh, nice. yeah. Cool. Come on. That's you the real talk bug about moment. a bughead moment. In her wedding dress, shooting Archie in the head. Come on, man. Never yes. leave a Cooper woman at the altar. <laughs> Wait, I had a question for you before I forget about this. I wanted to ask you, Justin. This probably is more appropriate for the end of the episode. But I saw a theory online that I thought was pretty accurate um, comparing the plot, particularly of this episode, but also just of the Rivervale event and you've brought this up before, to Dark, the TV show, which yeah. I haven't seen, but they brought up a lot of different parallels in terms of the parallel universes, even the end scene, everybody sitting at a dinner table. Did you pick up on that as well? Does that seem accurate and track to you? Yeah, I mean, I was def it was it was more apparent in the last episode because of the music choices felt like a referential and the fact that it was like three timelines, which is a big thing in, in the Dark series. 
um, which is a great show. Um, it's it's German. It's in German, so you have to be ready to read a lot of subtitles. But great sci-fi show if you want to pick up something that's pretty hard sci-fi, dark and wild. Great. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it is. It's definitely in the stew uh, of the Riverdale creators when they're putting this event together. All right, cool. Just wanted to check on that before I forget. Uh, but Jughead explains they need to detonate the bomb. They kiss on the bed. They make out. Pete, as a bughead, how are you feeling at this moment? It's nice. <laughs> it's nice. It's oh, nice. It's really good. Cat's hey, I fine. think your buttons are popping. You might want to go to Jagged <laughs> Jack Buttons there. You need a new bughead button, brother. <laughs> And then in the middle of their kiss, a moment we had kind of predicted, but comes in a very different way. Narrator Jughead comes in and explains they need to stop the bomb. Uh, Betty has done it before. She doesn't remember defusing the bomb that was on Polly. I Um, just I just want to share uh, the note here that I took. I said another Jughead. No, you ruined the moment. (laughs) Did you think of that moment that uh, she Betty was going to do something like Veronica and be like, well, there's two of you here. No, no, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. Do you ship Jug Bughead? (laughs) Do you do you ship Jug Jug? Jib jab, jug at it, jug jug, <laughs> jerk jerk, jerk jerk. So, jug narrator Jughead takes them downstairs and explains what happens. He explains when you die, you go to the great pops chocolate shop in the sky, and we get a classic right. characters all dressed up. Sugar Sugar is playing. We get the iconic milkshake shot. Shoney together. Uh, everybody's reading the comics. The sequence was great. I love this. Just so cool to see. Like love. Clip it out. Put it on loop. I'm ready to just keep watching it. Yeah, the the pops uh, being heaven was just such a fun choice, and the the whole thing was just really nice. And you must have loved Pete the real you can eat burgers, right? I mean, come on, who wouldn't love that spinner rack? I mean, if Pete could design yeah, a heaven, it might just be that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be far off, that's for sure. So he combined, you know, I mean, realistically, you can't. Eat while you're reading a comic. You've got to, you know, wash your hands, finish, and then, you know what I mean? But the, the idea of it is really nice. I can't believe they didn't put the burgers uh, in their bags and boards. It's unbelievable. <laughs> you got to bag and board your burgers. So this is the point when Jughead finds a comic between issues 95 and 96 and realizes what the other power source is. The power source is imagination. And this... Uh, I'm trying to think how to describe it, but this whole explanation here is the clearest, most meta thing of all the meta things in this episode. Yeah. Pointing out, granted, maybe the TV show is not going to go on forever, but the comics are going to go on forever. And that's what they're talking about here. The characters will go exactly. on forever. Exactly. Um, uh, and, and yeah, this was like a highfalutin. It makes a lot of sense with Jughead. Always, you know, he's been the narrator and the sort of writer of this show the whole time. So to have him be in a the sex bunker, or as we're calling it now, the writing bunker, because the best sex is writing. Uh, he's just down there noodling. You know, they say yeah, that, the original sex was books. Yeah, wow. <laughs> exactly. Uh, 
I mean, this idea that uh, <laughs> Jughead is going to be a nonstop story generator has me a little worried about the fate of this other universe because, like, it seemed like in the universe we know, Jughead sometimes ha- had a lot of problems coming up with stories. I mean, but he says like towards the end, oh, there's a lot of stories I have to write. I guarantee you, two issues time, Rivervale is going to be like, uh, Jughead's sitting in the sex bunker. The walls look like this. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, there's going to be a lot of the characters standing around being like, what's happening? What are we doing? Uh, And a panicked Jughead. But I also want to say Jughead and Ethel sort of together forever. Uh, Very comic booky. They Mm -hmm. are sort of uh, the the ship in the comic book universe. I thought that was a cool little slide. Well, Ethel is always chasing after Jughead, right? Jughead is now canonically asexual in the comic books. But yes, putting them together, I think, was a lot of fun. Um, but just another couple of quick things before we get into there. Um, Betty kind of doesn't get it. Jughead gets it. As we mentioned, he's going to be a livering battery. He's going to have to produce and stay in the sex book forever. Uh, we have a very fun moment with narrator Jughead where narrator's like, oh, I can't do it. I'm the narrator. You're the yeah. writer. You're yeah, the writer. Right. I'm yes. the narrator. I'm going to miss narrator Jughead. He's such a jerk. He's such fun. a fun His way. attitude is great. I want it. I yeah. want it all the time. I mean – there's like a line that just happens a little bit later where it's like, you know, Jughead talking about saving the universe. That was a little too cocky for me. That made me want to barf, but you know, that's very Jughead though. He's pretentious and he's always been pretentious. So he Uh. believes he's the only one who could save the universe. Um, But the narrator and better sit on the bed. They hug as the bomb goes off. Archie reanimates, starts breaking in shining style, but the bomb doesn't go off. And then everybody kind of resets. Betty and Jughead resume their lives. They're still in Rivervale at this moment. But I thought this was a very sweet scene. Everyone is there for dinner um, together. I think this points to kind of like this reset point that we're going to go into Riverdale going forward, where, like you mentioned, Betty and Archie are together. Jughead and Tabitha are together. We do get to see Cheryl and Tony together, I think, other than Tony and Fags. Um, So I think that's an indicator potentially of what's going to happen. But I thought this was nice just to bring the whole cast together in a scene like this. It's a very 100 episode thing to do. We got the iconic line, come on, Betty, the spaghetti. Uh, yeah, which I think yeah. will really uh, continue on. little, uh, you know, Betty spaghetti. spaghetti. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Shout yeah. out. You got to shout out to your origins, you know. that's Yeah, league of their own. You know what I mean? Come on. Mm-hmm. Come on. Come on. So then we get a loop. Jughead and Tabitha move into the apartment together. The loop begins again. Jughead keeps typing the stories. And then we get, meanwhile, back in Riverdale. Now, before we get to this last scene, I do have a question for you. So the way the words appear on screen, meanwhile, back in Riverdale, it's looks like typewriter writing, right? So do you think, I don't think they're going to get into this, but it feels like the indication here is that these are stories being told in Riverdale the same way that Jughead is telling the stories over in Rivervale. At least that's what I took away from it. Uh, Yeah, I agree with you. And I do think the other reference I wanted to make sure to say, um, it's been no secret that um, this show was inspired by Twin Peaks a great amount um, from the beginning. But if anybody out there watched the um, season three of Twin Peaks, it was on Showtime a few years ago. This moment felt very much like um, sort of a couple moments that happened later in that that season of Twin Peaks and especially like multiple dimensions and um, characters uh, transgressing or transferring between different dimensions to try to affect the storyline. This whole thing, I was like, ah, what a great 
cool way to sort of bring it all back home. I, I just, I, you know, if you're going to do a meanwhile back in Riverdale, you might as well also be like, toffee is fine. You know, like you really an opportunity. That's fine. That's fine. Cat's fine. Like maybe we should rewatch that because maybe in very tiny type at the bottom of that mm-hmm. title card, there was cat's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's all you need to do if you're going to give us a meanwhile back in Riverdale. I mean, come on. Yeah, it doesn't cost extra to type the typewriter a couple more letters. You know what I'm talking exactly. about? Yeah, it's a no, little extra I, of the ink. Meanwhile, what, do you what pay if it's by the me- letter? Yeah, just the, the ink. Mean, what about meanwhile back in Cat's um, briefcase? <laughs> That would work too. Anything works. And that, so, just I don't know if I've ever yeah. explained this, but a cat, a cat briefcase is where uh, there's cats it's in there. In the cat can't move, you asshole. And, this is so inhumane. Stop. And there's it food in one end like and a litter like box in the other. It's it's mostly for transporting the cats. Yeah, like I don't want to back up Justin here too much, but if you have a better idea how to get a cat from one place to another, I'd love to exactly. hear it. You got to make it big enough. So the cat can move around and also it shouldn't ah, that's be extra. That's shitting extra. and eating. And it's not, it's not. It's a it's, closed universe. It's like a Schrodinger's <laughs> cat's briefcase. Is the cat in there? Maybe. What do you think? It is both in and outside of the cat briefcase. So oh back God. at Riverdale, we cut back to the scene at the end of season five. Barchi is on the bed. They get a phone call from somebody it's breaking up a little bit, but says, get out of the house, Betty. Listen, there's a bomb under her bed. You have to go now. Uh, Jughead is typing in the garage. The bomb goes off, and then Jughead's ears are ringing. Let's – I know I just rushed through that, but I just wanted to get out both of those pieces of information. Uh, one big thing that we're going to be dealing with going forward is Jughead has now some sort of hearing loss from this bomb. Uh, so that's something that we're going to pick up on. I think I do, too. That was fucking way too loud. That ring was strong. That, yeah. You didn't need to do that. You didn't need to do loud. that. But who do you think's calling them? Ethel. Who do you think was on the phone? Ethel? It was a man's voice, I'm pretty sure. Um, it was maybe one of those voice changer things. Mm, maybe. I, do you think we're going to find out? I think it was a cross-dimensional phone call. So uh, here's the thing. We don't know who it is. But somebody from Rivervale is coming over to Riverdale. They're not totally done with it. Some character that existed in that world is going to actually end up in the Riverdale world. Must be Sabrina. Well, my suspicion is that that is whoever called them on the phone. Again, it feels like a male's voice. I think purposely you can't tell exactly who it is. Um, My best guesses would either be Hal, right, or Mm -hmm. potentially Dilton. Uh, though he died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but as we know, uh, characters in Rivervale come totally. back. I agree. Like, I don't think we're going to get a uh, a non a, – a double. It would mm-hmm. be very weird if there was a double, uh, like two Reggies essentially in, in the world of Riverdale. But uh, I feel like um, it, Dilton makes the most sense to me uh, and just fold him into the show. I how think feels it was, so much of the story has been about mm-hmm. how that I feel like having how back would be a. But I do weird. think there would be something interesting if it is good how non black hood how coming into the middle of this thing where we're setting up an Alice Frank relationship, just as things start to heat up with them a little bit. How you're close, up. but not correct. It's Jughead's dad because Zaf Palace. That's why. I mean, that would be amazing, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think no, don't say I'm, you don't know what's going to happen. I don't skeet, know what's going to happen. Come on, man. Skeet, skeet, skeet. 
<laughs> what are you just doing um, <laughs> If you say his name five times in a mirror, he has to show up. Is that it? I was just singing the song. Uh, basically. Now, because what other options do we really have for uh, Riverdale? Because I will say there's a big uh, – there's a lot of space for a villain mm-hmm. in Riverdale currently. Well, we're going to potentially have TBK coming back maybe. Uh, I mean I think we'll see that. Um, also just a new mystery. Like there's plenty of episodes left. We don't have an exact episode count, but assuming that there's at least 13 more episodes – of the season to go, if not 14 or more. So there's plenty of time for them to do something insane. I, I want to circle back to something we were not spending enough time on. The cat, cat briefcase. briefcase. Cat no, briefcase. you both wish. We why wasn't the Jack audio person, why wasn't the audio person able to just have it be loud, but not like it was too loud. That was too loud. The explosion. Like that, yeah, that made me not want to watch Riverdale. It was so loud. Like, it was like, fuck you. That's too loud. Oh, all the things that have happened over the course of 100 episodes, the thing that takes you out is a loud ringing. That was too I, loud. That hurt. I also was, like I also like you're saying it was the, a mistake. Like, the sound guy was, like, tur- turned up too much. They were like, well, like, somebody should have had a discussion. I don't want somebody to be fired. I don't, you know, but s- that was, that was... There was no reason for that to be that loud. Um, because what if – going back to um, Pete's sound notes, we'll definitely forward on to the, um, the audio department of Riverdale. Uh, but let me throw out, what if we had an evil Archie come mm. over? That would be super weird and interesting. Like you said, I don't, I don't know if we're going to see a double necessarily, but – that would whatever it is, it's going to be weird. It's going to be fun. Uh, Madeline Patch described it as funny. Um, so your mileage. What did she describe as funny? The next the app? River Vale person who comes over. Oh, okay. What about Jason Blossom? Could be Jason Blossom. I think we're done with him for the moment, though. I don't know. Is this? I, I can't believe be I'm much, taking this bait, but uh, did you want to then plug your unbelievable interview that you got to do? Oh, that thanks, I'm extremely wow. jealous Pete. of. Sorry. I did interview sick. Madeline Pete Patch. Pete is sick. Yes. Uh, I interviewed her for the last episode. It was very nice. It was a very nice chat. I can't uh, believe you talked to Cheryl, man. I'm sorry, man. Uh, she did. I will mention, I didn't put this in the interview, obviously, because I don't put stuff about myself in the interviews. But she did call me out right at the top of the phone call where yes. I got on. And I was like, hey, this is Alex uh, from Decider. And she was like, oh. I know you. I've seen your little posts all over the internet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Calling you out. Maybe you should take her note and tone it down a little bit. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what did, what, what did she mean by your little posts? His Riverdale after dark pictures that he's always. No, 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 no. Like my tweets that I'm. About showing. Yeah, or yeah. whatever. It was always stirring the pot, causing trouble, yes. spoiling episodes <laughs> before we've seen them, giving us no. picks that kind of like get us thinking. Yeah, get sorry to thinking. get you thinking, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> Pete's brain is always in neutral. Why are you trying I'll, to I'll gear it up? Pete, more apropos of this episode, I also talked to Cole Sprouse this past Wow. Week, um, which was very nice as well. And he's very reflective. Uh, one thing that I will mention that came out of that interview. See, that thought, the, this just makes me very upset because I know you didn't ask the right questions. What do you think that I didn't ask? Did, 
Do you love Betty? Yeah. <laughs> like, why were you like, listen, you know, the show was born and raised on, you know, but that has to be hard. 100%. For you. I was like, hey, Cole, listen, first of all, um, I was raised by Bughead. <laughs> yeah. I just exactly. wanted to let you know that. <laughs> no, it means a lot to me. Bughead. Like, how. I mean, I'll tell you, yeah, it's, of course I talked to him about Bucket. I talked to him about Jabatha, um, both of those things because they play into the episode. Did you talk to Cheryl about how she's the greatest and like how, you know, like. Man, I don't know why you don't get these interview opportunities. Uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I'll say about Cole uh, talking about uh, Jabatha and Bughead without trying to necessarily start anything. First of all, he was clearly like he loves working with Aaron Westbrook. Like, he was straight up about that. He was like, it's my best days on set are the ones when I get to work with her. She's a true professional. I have such a great time working with her. And he also talked about, uh, we're getting into areas where Pete, I don't think you're necessarily going to be happy with these answers. But he was like, yeah, I think, like, Betty and Jughead ran very hot and cold versus Jughead and Tabitha. That's what I said. Jughead and Tabitha are much more even. It's a much more... Much more adult. Nobody wants to see that shit. Much more adult relationship, much more steady. They're supportive of each other. Um, Did you ask him about Big Daddy? Like, what what did you really (laughs) talk to him about? I didn't ask him about Big Daddy. (laughs) Come on, man. I also asked him about Bughead and uh, just playing that moment on the bed. And he was like, yeah, we thought it was very important to pay tribute to where the show has been before. Um, oh, that does not sound good for us here's moving the th- forward. I, for you. I don't want to read between the lines too much, and I don't want us. to start anything here. Pete. We live between the lines, Alex. Let's hear it. Here's the thing. I I have always said, like, you know, there's plenty of show left. Anything can happen. Who knows what's going to happen? Buckhead is part of the story. After talking to Roberto when we had him out of the podcast and he was like, you guys don't like specifically to you, Pete, you guys don't love Jabatha. And we're um, like, no. And he's clearly all in on that story. And then talking to Cole about it and the tone of voice when he was talking about Bughead versus the tone of voice when he was talking about Jabatha. He's he's an actor on the show. He's not a producer, mind you. He's not a writer or anything like that. But he's clearly sure. so excited about this new mode of a relationship that he gets to play in. He has the sound bites down for Bughead and knows how to talk about it. Like, I don't think there was negativity there or anything. But I do think coming off of those interviews and also, mind you, Lily Reinhardt, uh, saying on an Instagram live and then also Cole to me saying they have these seven year contracts and they think they're ending heading towards the home stretch is the words that he used. I don't think we're going to see Bughead in any major capacity. How dare at you? least until the end of the show. Well, it was fun doing this podcast with you guys. <laughs> Here's yeah, what I mean. What this is just my opinion. This is just my there. opinion. This is just my opinion. This is just based again on reading between the lines. I don't think like, it's entirely possible they could have things going the way they're going. Let's say it ends in season seven, right? They could have things going through the rest of the show all the way through season seven and then do like classic end of show stuff where Betty and Jughead are like, no, it's you. It's always been you and get back together. That absolutely yeah. could happen. There's 100% a possibility of that. But I think just because they are enjoying working in this new mode with Jughead Do they Tabitha, even watch the show? Okay. I, <laughs> I mean, what the fuck, man? I think 
they're enjoying playing with this new relationship. And I, I do think, again, uh, fair to be wrong. Like, they may swerve like they do in classic yeah, Riverdale fashion. You never next know. Episode. But that's my impression right now, just based on these interviews, is I, I, I'm surprised. I thought they were going to go back to Buck Edison's capacity this season. Now I'm kind of convinced that what? maybe not. I think I've been, also saying, based on this I've been episode, saying maybe not for a while, if you remember, because it's Barchi's time in the sun. I do think based on this episode, even though most of it takes place in Rivervale, I do think. And again, I'm very surprised about this. I think they're really going to try with Barchi and see how it works long term. And same thing with Jabatha. And they're going to stick with that, potentially veggie as well, and have less mixing up than they've been doing. So but we'll see. Sorry, Pete. So there's no hope for the future is what you're saying. Oh, my God. Hold on hope. There's definitely hope. It's just maybe not coming for like a little while. But that's the good thing about hope is you can just hold it like a little candle. <laughs> uh, side note, don't hold candles. All right. Before we wrap up here, who was the MVP of this who episode? Cares? I mean, what the fuck, man? <laughs> oh, oh, come on. Come on. Pete, come, come on. on. It doesn't Ka- matter if they're not going to do that. I mean, what's I'm not saying they're know. not going to do that. I'm just that's expressing exactly my what opinion. you fucking said, man. I'm expressing my opinion. I don't write the show. I don't produce the show. I have no knowledge of any episodes beyond this episode. Uh, <laughs> Justin, MVP, do you want to take MVP of the episode? MVP of the episode. I mean, it, it really is the uh, the writers of Riverdale and everyone that puts the show together is is the sort of the the MVP. This uh, an episode that really looks back um, so hard. But uh, as for the characters in the show. I think we got to give it to got to give it to our guy Jughead. This was uh, getting to see uh, Cole Sprouse play multiple versions of the character he's played uh, for so long, and really, it, the whole story flowed through him. It's fun to watch him, especially uh, R.I.P. Jughead, the narrator. Um, great, great version of Jughead. Pete, you got an MVP yet? Yeah, Ethel. <laughs> Oh, my God. All right. I'll throw it out to Jason Blossom then for finally getting a line after five plus seasons. Very happy to see that. Hope it never happens again. But it was very fun. It was a great moment. And folks, that is it for this week's podcast. Riverdale will be returning March 6th. 2022 as usual maybe we'll try to do a couple of episodes between now and then depending on promo materials and other things that come up uh, but of course we have plenty more podcasts to check out in the meantime check them all out at comicbookclublive.com you can support our podcast patreon.com slash comicbookclub also we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7pm to crowdcast on YouTube come hang out we would love to chat with you about Riverdale at Riverdale Dark on Twitter at Riverdale if after on Instagram Riverdale After Dark on Facebook Facebook. Until next time, we'll see you after dark. Yes, what a time to be alive! Or not. Oh, Pete, it'll be fine. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.